You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. A podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little zen to improve our lives along the way. All right. This is going to be a little bit of a Kona wrap-up episode. You know, I like to wait for the dust to settle. And boy, has it settled. It's been like two weeks since the race. But man, every day something new comes up or a new point of view offers itself which i guess is kind of good and we have probably the world's shortest interview ever with a professional triathlete but it's really really special and let's see we have a zen tip and i guess we could do a little bit of triathlon news to kick it off so here we go so the triathlon news i want to talk about this episode isn't exactly about triathlon but it's about the tour de france and the news is, oh, wait, I've actually got two parts, two cycling bits. Let's do that. And, uh, but let's back up. Uh, Tour de France has decided that they're going to ban power meters. And this is to, well, they say to make racing more lively, you know, because people sit and stare at their power meter numbers and race by that. And they're uh, less willing to take off the front, making racing boring basically because they just stick to their numbers and uh, boy the response to that was a big thumbs down by everybody they're like that's so stupid that's not actually what's making racing boring it's the radios that the racers use that make racing boring and power meters everybody that that's in the know knows that a professional racers they use power meters like crazy in training but when it comes down to racing they react and they race and and also the fact that in the tour de france you have uh, a lot of drafting um behind your your current person your race uh um deputies i forgot what the phrase is called but your uh, lieutenants and um i can't believe i can't remember what the word is but anyway you're you there's so much drafting which eliminates your um use of power I mean, it just screws it all up and so much up and down and different racing uh, altitudes, elevations, then starts. So the idea that, that power meters are involved in pro racing and cycling in the tour is kind of ridiculous. Uh, there's this belief that Chris Froome, who's won so many times, is got his head down looking at his power meter and the experts say, no, that's actually not what that's not what's happening. That's actually how he breathes, and he's not even showing his power numbers or something like that. And uh, But this all comes back around to make me want to remind people that power meters in triathlon are fantastic for long-distance racing such as Ironman. And what they allow you to do is keep an even pace so you don't blow up on the run. And eliminating power meters in the tour de france has a trickle down effect where that hurts the power meter uh, companies somewhat and then that's going to damage the uh the availability the use the progress the progression 
of power meters in um, triathlon. Um, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm of two mindsets of power meters in Ironman. One, it'll make you have the best race you've ever had <laughs> if you use your power meter correctly. Two, it does eliminate the, the racing out of Ironman. It, it, it eliminates the guesswork you know, the excitement. And so you just sit there and you try to follow your uh, numbers. But Ironman is about a a self-sport and self-control. And how are you um, doing what you're supposed to be doing? And so many people, even with the power meter numbers, don't do what the power meter says. Or they ignore it. You know, it's just, oh man, it's so, so crazy. So that's what's going on in the world of professional cycling. And it will have an impact on triathlon in a very slight way on down the road. So we'll see if that changes and if they actually get around to doing what everybody says they should do, which is banning the race radios because they're getting information about the race up ahead and, and, uh, from the race directors. And now it's becoming more of the race directors racing instead of the cyclists. And that's actually a real problem. The problem with not allowing them is they are nice for safety. You can tell people ahead of time that there's a uh, a protest coming up, that there's a road closure, that there's a dangerous situation for everybody to slow down because it's um, somebody went off the bike into the bushes off of a cliff. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, radios are great for that. So we got to figure out some other way to um, to do that safety stuff as well. All right. Next piece of news was Zwift, which is the biking video game that I love so much, has introduced New York City, and I rode it on my Doretto, my Dorito uh, smart trainer, and it is really, really cool. The route that has the most of everything is called the Everything Bagel, and this is all in, mostly in, around Central Park, and it's set in... New York City 100 years from now. So you're riding along and it seems pretty normal. And then all of a sudden you notice, like, is that a flying car? Are those drones? And then you go up a ramp that is clearish, like polycarbonate glass. And then you go up into the sky and go up and up and up. And then you're riding on the second, third level of the, uh, of the park. And the everything bagel is like, 21 miles or something like that so it's easily an hour ride it's got lots of elevation gain and it is very very cool i liked it a lot i look for routes that take about an hour and those uh and then i'll try to repeat those or you know do whatever and the fact that they had one that's about an hour was um was right up my alley i really liked it Let's see. Uh, Lionel Sanders, after Kona, published a video saying that um, he felt terrible after the race. I guess we'll start into my uh, Kona review. Oh, wait. Let's do Zwift, uh, the Tron bike. On Zwift, you can either have a triathlon bike or all these other road bikes. And on on the use of those, um, if you're using a triathlon bike, you get no draft effect off of anybody. And if you use any other bike, if you start getting close to somebody in front of you, then you get a draft effect, which helps boost your speed. I've been forever riding uh, the triathlon bike so I can simulate, um, 
what it would be like riding the tri bike on a course with uh, no drafting because that's the way Ironmans are. But the reality is that um, in, a, in an Ironman race, half Ironman too, when you're riding around, actually, unless you're a super biker, there is going to be some people in front of you on the bike and then there's people that bike uh unwisely and will pass you because they're burning up because they're not pacing themselves because they didn't use a power meter and you um you end up passing them and as an age grouper you can get right behind somebody as you pass them you have to pass them with you know five seconds 20 seconds i forgot what it is but then you pat you come up behind them and it's called the slingshot so you come up behind and then that gives you a draft boost and then you come around them, and then you get in front of them, and then keep on going. Well, Ironman races are so congested that actually uh, this happens quite a bit as you're racing. So the past uh, week or two on Zwift, I switched over to the uh, Tron bike. And this is after, actually, I rode the Specialized... Uh, the new Shiv. They had that on Zwift for a while. So that was pretty cool. I rode the uh, Tron bike, which the Tron bike is, I mean, within like 1% or 2% as fast as a triathlon bike. And because it's not a triathlon bike, you get the draft boost effect, which actually does happen in, like I just said, it does happen in these uh, races. And I thought this is actually even smarter training because if you're um it kind of averages out but it encourages you to catch up to the person in front of you and then uh use that draft boost to kind of to kind of get around them and then your times are going to be really close to what you would do on a um on a race and then so now if you put in your correct weight and all this other stuff um then you can get an idea of how fast you would be on race day uh you know like the elevation gain you try to ride courses that are similar to your race and i just thought man this is really cool um that i'm getting both you know and and i'm doing it using the tron bike the, the problem is uh because the tron bike is almost as fast as a triathlon bike but the problem is, is you have to earn the tron bike and i forgot how many it's either miles or feet of elevation gain and then you can finally get it. So go ride your Zwift and try to get that Tron bike. Okay, so uh, more Kona stuff is I had such huge hopes for Lionel Sanders. And he said he uh, felt flat. Somebody looked at his power files and said it looked like he went too hard on the bike on the way out. I don't know about that. That was just one expert's opinion. Could or Could or could not be true. I mean, his power on the way out was really high. But the dude is a freaking beast, so that's hard to judge. Um, but then kind of fell flat on the run, and this was crazy. He posted it's, – it's funny. The really good pros <laughs> that are self-aware and, and uh, professional in many ways, just besides being a professional at triathlon, but professional in general, are um, – they wait a couple days before they write their um, – you know, their feelings about the race if they did not have a good race. The ones that did well, they just like post pictures and pictures and thank yous and thank yous. And then the pros that didn't do what they wanted are real quiet for a couple of days. And then they post, okay, 
I've been thinking, <laughs> right? So, um, like, let's do uh, Joc- Jocelyn McCauley and Angela Nath. Angela got eighth. Jocelyn got, I don't, I don't remember what place she got, but she had a problem on the bike, and she didn't know it for a long time. She had a flat tire but didn't know it, so it was pulling her back on the bike. So she was really pissed off, I'm sure, and didn't do as well as she thought. So Angela was posting, like, immediately after the race and, like, after all these pictures and stuff, like, so thankful and whatever, and Jocelyn was really quiet for a while. And then was like, okay, I'm ready to talk now. <laughs> you gotta let the anger kind of go away before you post just anger and frustration because it's not really helpful. Um, but Lionel Sanders waited a couple days and then posted a video interview uh, with him where he admitted all the, the, the stuff that he'd been doing was kind of all over the place and he should have been doing better. And then... Um, then at one point he started crying in the middle of the video and it was amazing people's reaction to that they were like oh yes i love this <laughs> i was like dude he's crying this is terrible and then um he said that he admitted he he really needs a coach and he's going to go find a coach the problem is is lionel sanders is extremely tough to coach because he's in that he's in that purgatory where he knows himself really, 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 really well. And it's hard to trust somebody else to tell you what to do when you already know yourself really well. And the problem is, is when you know yourself really well, it's kind of like you can't see the forest for the trees because you know every single tree, you know, but it takes somebody outside of you to say, hey, you're in the wrong forest, dude, you know, or you're facing the wrong way in this forest. But you're like, well, I'm facing towards my favorite tree, the thing I need to work on. And they're like, no, that's uh you're in the wrong part of the forest buddy (laughs) hey buddy but anyway if you haven't seen that video with lionel sanders it's really uh it's really good it's a really kind of a come to jesus of uh man i'm so disappointed in myself that i haven't i've tried so hard and i've i've come close and then i screwed this up and and still, I think, like, even though he had a bad day, his bad day is still, like, sub nine, like, eight and a half hours or something crazy like that. It's absolutely nuts. So, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, what else happened? Um, a lot of bikes were introduced. Well, not really a lot of bikes, but more bikes got uh, disc brakes. And I saw that one bike company said they had no interest in introducing, it was a big company, uh, in disc brakes anytime soon. Um, the race dynamic played out really interestingly. Um, all these records were broken. And people are like, oh, these athletes are so amazing. Personally, I don't think so. I mean, I think they're amazing, but I don't think they're so much ma- amazing than they ever were before. It's just the conditions at, at Hawaii are so tough that a day when they're just not as tough as actually percentage-wise makes it so much easier. You know what I mean? Like, uh, instead of climbing, let's say they're as tough as Everest, and then now instead of climbing Everest, you've only got to climb a, a big mountain in Colorado. Well, the mountain in Colorado is only half as tall as, <laughs> as the mountain in Everest. So the percentage, it's like 50% easier, you know, and exponentially easier because the, the oxygen gets way denser as you go down. So this this whole thing um, about them being amazing is both true, but 
you know, it's just, it's just that Hawaii is typically so hard and it wasn't so hard this year around. And that's why all those records got broken. And so don't blame the athletes, blame the conditions, um, blame the race. Don't blame, don't hate the player, hate the game. And let's see, the, the deal was that on the way out on the bike, I was watching the weather and the people were commenting on the weather and it's really interesting. It seemed like on the way out, they had almost no wind at all. And then from what I understand on the way back, they had a tailwind. So like when the wind did pick up, it was on the way back maybe. And so that is going to drop the bike, the bike times big time. You got nothing on the way out and a tailwind on the way back. Wow. And it's downhill on the way back. So that's, um, that's quite amazing. I may be wrong about the wind direction on the way back, but if it was anything, it was very, very light. And, so, and this is instead of like 30 to 50 mile per hour gusts, you know, coming from the side or the front. Hello? Hello? All right, I'm back. <laughs> had a phone call all of a sudden, had to hop over. Now I'm back. Okay, but that recenters me here for a minute. And the runs seem to be pretty typical, but gosh, the bike is the biggest chunk of the race. So if you get good bike conditions, then uh, it kicks ass. For you, uh, let's see, you know, Daniela Reef won. Um, Patrick Lang won again. Super bomb for Dino's out. The girl Lucy Charles that um, got second last year and second year, second this year again, dropped her water bottle. Oh my God, on the bike. And it was a special needs fuel bottle. Did that have something to do with her getting second and maybe fading on the first? Uh, Paula Newby Frazier, who's won like a thousand times, she was commenting on the race. You know, she was a live commentator. And uh, she was like, I would have gone back and gotten that bottle. <laughs> Depends on what was in the bottle. But if it was anything important, I would have paused and gotten that bottle. Lucy was so far ahead. She definitely had time to stop and get that bottle. And then. There's a lot of kerfluffle about this uh, new specialized bike with the hydration thing off the back. You know, the bike's super cool, and of course, it's obviously super aerodynamic, but um, it looks like there might be some work that needs to be done on that bike and how to fill up the rear uh, fuel thing. And yeah, so now, you know, I wouldn't kick that bike out of bed for uh, eating crackers, if you know what I mean. Like, because uh, on Zwift, there's an opportunity to win that bike. And I found myself trying to win the bike. And I was like, well, I guess I like the bike. <laughs> what you do will tell you a lot about yourself. <laughs> your actions speak louder than your words. I was like, I guess I like that bike. I definitely love the paint job. I think it's so cool. All right, let's see. Uh, speaking of all that coverage, let me check my notes, make sure I haven't missed anything important. But we can get to... Um, your moment of Zen, your little Zen instruction for this episode was about the race coverage itself. And there's, um, there's a little bit of a misconception on what Zen is. Zen, sometimes people think it's, you know, being in the moment, like in the flow, being in a state of flow where you're one, like say you're playing guitar and you're like, time flies by because you're playing it. You're so involved with playing it. You're so focused. Yeah, I guess I would say it's, it's like focus. 
and um, that 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 is something that's called flow state and flow state has been found to be where your abilities really match the challenge and and in fact the challenge might be just slightly harder than what you're normally capable of so you're having to stretch a little bit so you're really paying attention and you're really involved um, imagine that you're out hunting a deer on foot with a spear or bow and arrow or, or something and you're trying to chase it down and it's just ahead and then you chase it and then it's just ahead and then you chase it and then it's just ahead well that's a that's a flow state of where you're really involved and you're trying to get the thing and the thing's right in front of you and you've got the skills to do it um, and you're executing it something else that's interesting is that uh, what a lot of people don't know is that's a state of hypnosis Anytime that you're mentally entrained and target fixated on something, that thing has got you hypnotized a little bit. So if you're reading a book and you're not being distracted, then you are kind of, it's weird. You're in a hypnotic state. And it's not a bad thing. It's just the way we get about so many things. Somebody's talking to you and you're really paying attention to them because they, they're saying things that you're really interested in. In a weird way, they've kind of hypnotized you. And that's how hypnosis works, is you get somebody to pay attention to you and only you, and then they, what you say becomes their only reality. And uh, you're really into a run, you know, or you're in a swim and you're just counting your strokes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? So you're, you're counting strokes and you're really into it and you're not really paying attention to anything else. The whole world can be doing other things around you in your state of hypnosis. You're watching too much cable TV news. You think that that's the whole world, you know? So you're not really paying attention to the other things that are going around you. You're in a flow state with that one thing, which you're kind of hypnotized in a way, which is not what Zen is about. So Zen is part of Zen is to be, um, to wake you up to actual reality of what's going on. So that's why they say, here's your moment of Zen. And it's something absurd, you know, and it makes you go, what the hell is that? Right? Well, that's supposed to wake you up to get you out of your trance, out of your hypnosis and really pay attention to what's actually really going on. What is the actual truth of what's going on? Where are you right now? What time is it? You know, where is your place in this woods on this earth? in this race of everything. And you go, oh crap, <laughs> I was so fixated on this one thing. That's actually not important. Um, the real important thing is all of this stuff that, you know, where's my place in all this and some perspective on everything. That's actually probably a good word for us. It wakes you up into perspective and Zen is full of tools to wake you up. They shout, they um, bang on a bell, uh, slam a block of wood into another bigger block of wood. Um, and that's, and then they ask koans, which are these questions that have no answer, but they make you go, what? Like, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Uh, what's your face, uh, before you were born? You're like what? That didn't even make sense, but it made you stop and go, what? Like that. And it's that pause and that wake up that makes you go, oh crap. Right. So if you're counting, another example would be you're counting strokes while you're swimming, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight! Like that. Did that make you go, what? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but now, where are you? What are you doing? 
What time is it? Do you need to get back to your house or back to work or something? You're all caught up in counting your strokes. You know, how much how much of your data package have you been using on your phone? Come on, wake up, wake up like that. So sorry for the yelling, but that's actually a method that they use is they just shout at each other in old and modern uh, Zen schools. And um, in fact, uh, um, is it Shinto? Zen? It's full of shouting. That's so much shouting all the time, and it's supposed to wake you up. And actually, when a student asks a question, they start off by shouting, Attention! Exclamation point. I won't do it again. And your moment of Zen is, for this episode, is when the coverage... There's There was two moments in the coverage of Kona, and... There was one at the four-hour mark. They said, hold on, everybody. Um, we're only, we have to switch over to the second half of the coverage. We've reached our four-hour mark, right? And uh, re- refresh... They didn't say refresh your page. Like, you know, go to, go to part two or something. And it was live. And you're like, what? You're all into watching this thing. And then you're like, what? I have to do what? And then it made you wake up and go and realize, what? Facebook can't do more than four hours straight without having to restart everything or, or something. Something's going on, and this is weird, and this is not right. And it really made you, it knocked you out of your trance of watching the coverage. The fact that you had to stop everything and then start over again. And a lot of people were dis, displeased with that. But one, the second one that happened, a lot of people were pleased with, and it was this. I wish I had the timestamp so I could tell you to go look at it. But a lot of you that were watching would remember this. I'm, from my memory, maybe it was it was more towards the end, and I think let's say it was when some of the men were on the the pro men were on the run, and let's say the pro women were on the bike. It's, let's say it's right around that time, you know, like the men had gone through T two, and and uh, the women hadn't quite gone through T two yet yet. Yeah, so maybe, maybe not, but it's something like that. And there's all this coverage. There's people talking. You know, you got Mike Welch, who talks a lot. You've got uh, Lovato, who I like a lot, who talks a lot. And you've got Paula Newby Frazier. They're all commentating, you know. Da-da-da. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of time to actually talk because Iron Man is just, it's just people swimming, biking, and running. That's it. <laughs> there's really not much going on besides that and so they're filling they're making it more entertaining with all this audio of uh commenting right well they're thinking for you like i like me talking right now i'm putting thoughts in your head so they're sitting there thinking for you thinking for you thinking for you thinking for you commenting 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 and they're doing it proactively it's a large volume of talking because that's that's their job to make it entertaining and then for whatever reason there, the commentator's audio cut out, and I don't remember if it was for 30 seconds or a minute, but it felt like 10 minutes, and it was glorious, and you didn't know that you wanted this until it happened, and it was jarring, and it was awesome, because it went from talking, 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 to all of a sudden, the, the commentators were dead silent, but if I remember correctly the 
audio being picked up by the microphones from the people following the racers and they weren't talking but the people on the race was picking up audio so it was the sound of a pro running full speed you know pop pop his foot in there pop 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 <laughs> like that and then of the um let's say it's the part that i think it was the uh, the cyclists on the bike paddling 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 coasting and just the wind roaring and then the sounds of the motorcycles but it was both silent and so full of sound at the at the same time and um it really woke you up on what was happening this this is what is happening there are people on this island and it was the let's say it was just the people you were looking at that are freaking running and biking because there was no swimming at that moment their asses off as fast as they can like it was for their lives and like running for their life and so intense and then after a little bit it went away and the commentating came back on and there was audio and it was like well it looks like that sheer right right leg is coming up too high and da, 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 da. Um, lane meyer <laughs> former a shell of of his former man self but the um those moments of where it was dead silent knocked everybody awake and there were so many comments afterwards that they go whoa that was cool that was wonderful that was really really neat so i suggest that you go back and if you haven't seen it yet watch um it's probably in the part two uh, coverage, but go watch both both uh, both coverages of the um, Iron Man. It's not the one hour on YouTube; it's the four hours each. But when you hit that moment of of silence from the commentators, and it was it was a it was a uh, it was an error. They didn't mean to be silenced; just their their mics cut out for whatever reason. And um, boy, it is magical when that happens. All right, so there's that. And then now let's um, transition over to our shortest interview ever on Zentri. All right, we are leaving the pool, but this is not the training log. We're going to wrap up the uh, first part of the show before we get into the training log. Andrea Fisher. Okay. This interview was so, oh, bittersweet, puts a bow on it. Oh comes full circle just so many things the very first interview i ever did with a pro on zen and the art of triathlon was probably back in i don't know 2004 2005 i'm not sure what year and there was a local triathlon called the brazos valley triathlon and uh, we had some, there was a pro field. It was like a sprint distance, sprint to Olympic, kind of long, long sprint. And it was nice and hilly. And it was at Lake Bryan, north of Bryan, Texas, B-R-Y-A-N, Bryan College Station, because our twin cities. And because there was prize money, there was some pros. And we're pretty close to Austin. And there was some pros from Austin 
Um, eventually, uh, Brandon, I'm not sure if Amy Marsh came and did it, but Brandon Marsh came and did it, and he was the uh, winner of the swim at, at Ironman Texas and possibly uh, Ironman Hawaii, Kona, one year. So for a small triathlon, it's, it's got some legit um, pros. And also we're very close to Austin, and Austin is like Boulder, San Diego, Bend, Oregon. A lot of pros live in the area. Um, just good weather, except for the heat. Lots of hills and stuff like that. So there was a female pro named Andrea Fisher. And her claim to fame was she came from a swimming background. I think she swam for UT. And she was super, super nice. And Professor E. Rich and I, if you've been listening that long, sat down and interviewed her. My dad showed me how to solder and wire together a uh, two-into-one audio recording equipment jack. So he and I, I think we interviewed her over the phone, and Professor Professor Erich and I um, listened in, so we could both listen in, and uh, Andrea was on the other side, and we asked her questions. And she is super, super uh, nice and cool and uh, just a great, like, positive personality, um, which made me made a really good impression, first impression of uh, what pros can be, how cool they are and all that stuff. And the thing I remember most was she was the first first person I've been doing triathlon for um, a few years by that point and I've been going out and doing rides based on miles you know I'm gonna go for uh, that's just the way I talked about it 20 mile ride 30 mile ride 50 mile ride I don't know if I was doing 50 mile rides yet but we asked her just a whole bunch of random questions you know um, how many miles per week do you run? And she might have had a number for that. We, But we asked her how many miles... Maybe we asked her how many miles does she ride in a week, but I, I'm pretty sure the, the big question was how many miles is your long ride? Because we're trying to measure up how we're doing versus a pro. And she said she doesn't uh, count miles for a long ride. She goes by time. And this blew our minds. We were like, what? What do you mean? And she said that, and I've been training with the club, you know, all this stuff. Everybody's doing things by uh, miles. That's how they always talked about it. And she said, "Um, no, I go out by time. So I'm going to do like a one hour ride or a three hour ride. And I was like, whoa, well, how do you do that? And she said, oh, she just goes out an hour. And then then she knows she comes back an hour. And I swear it was like, whoa. It's a moment of zen. We were like, er, record scratch. Didn't know what to do with ourselves. And it was so impressive that there was a completely different way of doing triathlon that we hadn't even thought about. And I can't recommend it enough, by the way training by time and effort. So I'm going to do an hour easy, an hour medium, 
you know, uh, two hours, you don't want to do two hours hard, 30 minutes hard, two hours, super easy, all this kind of stuff. And then an hour run afterwards, I just did an hour swim, um, light to moderate with the last 100 yards, uh, hard, right? It is so much better because especially on the bike, but possibly the run is then you don't have to worry so much about the terrain. If, if it's a uh, super hilly, well, you're going light, so you just go up the hills kind of easy, for example. And this, um, this interview with her was great, and I, I'm pretty sure it was before the triathlon. And then we started looking up her numbers and how fast she was, and her nickname is uh, Fish, which was also my nickname in high school. <laughs> and some other guys at the gym started calling me Fish the, uh, just a couple days ago which was pretty cool because they, uh, they've seen me swimming and um, they bumped into me at uh, Freebird's Burrito and uh, they started calling me fish. And anyway, so we get to the race and I think I've never seen her before in person. I just looked up, had looked up pictures of her and she looks like a just total badass swimmer. And she, there's this person standing thigh deep in the water looking out over the lake uh, getting ready to start and she had fish written across her butt and um, was uh, getting ready to go and I'm, I'm not sure I think they started the men first and then the women second and no like pro wave and I think it was like a five or ten minute gap it was enough of a gap and the swim was short enough where my friends and I started taking bets on at what uh, mile or at what time uh, was she going to catch me on the bike because I was going to start ahead of her. And I nailed it. I was like six minutes into the bike, <laughs> I think, or six miles. I can't remember now, but there was a six in there. She is going to pass me on the bike. And right on the button, zoom, this female pro just goes by me. And I wasn't a terrible cyclist, so I caught up with her. And maybe it was uphill, and I got some good power going uphill early, early on in a race back then. And so I caught up with her, and I said, Hey, Andrea, it's Brett from Zentra. I just interviewed you the other day. And she was super nice. She, like, turned to me and smiled in the middle of a race. And she goes, Oh, hi, Brett. Yeah, I remember you. How you doing? And I was like, I'm doing great. <laughs> Okay, well, I can't keep up with this pace. Uh, have a good race. Bye. And then I let her go. <laughs> I didn't let her do anything. She just freaking took off. And um, and then that was it. And I haven't really talked to her much since then. Maybe a thank you. So that was um, over, let's say, over 10 years ago. And this podcast has been rocking along. We've interviewed so many pros since then. Uh, Starkey, uh, Macca. It just goes on and on and on. Um, there might be a Chrissy Wellington in there. I've met Chrissy Wellington. And um, at the local triathlon that Kai was in the other day, uh, and I'm really proud of him. He got third uh, without much training because he's been kind of pseudo-injured and been um, he's been recovering from an injury. He's fine now. Hold on. There was this lady at Packet Pickup, and it was dark, and she had some kids, and we were, uh, during Packet Pickup, um, the local bike shop that's sponsoring the race was, um, they had 
some electric bikes and I wanted to ride them around. They had this big uh, grassy courtyard. And Kai and I rode them around and there was this one lady drinking wine that was real bubbly and nice and she looked like a pro because she she was real uh, muscly um, but in a fit kind of way. Just kind of, she was ripped. That's the word. Uh, she was ripped. Just looked super cool. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I was def, I was definitely thinking this is a, this is a pro from Austin, because that's where they come from. It's Austin uh, births pros. And I didn't think much of it. Besides that, I mean, it crossed my mind. I wonder if that's Andrea Fisher, but not really. In my mind, it really didn't look like her. In, in my mind, she she looked more like Jesse Stensland um, in the history of my mind. And then after the race, it turns out she had raced. This is the next day. It turns out she had raced and she won her age group and it was 45 49 age group 40 to yeah 45 49 age group and they announced um you know third place second place um and then first place from austin andrea fisher and my jaw hit the ground i was like no way and she was in a great mood and i thought what a great way to uh, finish a show somebody said you could end the show now because you've come full circle, but I'm not going to do that. But she had um, her little girl with her and possibly another kid and her husband. And I didn't want to make too big of a scene of it. But to me, it was the coolest thing in the world to um, bump into Andrea Fisher again at a local triathlon. And this is what triathlon is all about. And I walked up to her and I said, hey, Andrea, it's Brett from Zentri. Do you remember me? And she said, of course I do. And I said, would you like to do a very short interview? Um, we can do that uh, right here, right now. And and uh, just about, about your race and stuff. And she said, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Of course, we were having beer after the race because it was also sponsored by a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> at a mixed adult and kids triathlon. But anyway, and here it is. Here's the interview with Andrea Fisher. Let's hear it. Yeah. Okay, we are here with my first ever pro triathlete interview from like 2006 or something like Probably that. Probably early 2000s. When you did the Brazos Valley Triathlon yeah. forever ago. Andrea the Fish Fisher. <laughs> Hi. How you doing? Good. And you won your age group? the um, 45 to 49. 49. So we're a little older now. Yeah. 30, 30, 30, and old. how's your daughter doing? What's your name? Lee. Lee? Lee Flakeman. Oh, okay. And yeah. how'd, you, how'd you do? Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's your second race ever. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, my son raced. He's over there. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's so awesome seeing you again. And It's fun racing with my daughter now. Yeah. And, like, having fun with it. So. Yeah. Are you doing um, professional coaching? or? I do a little bit of coaching, and then I do some swim coaching, too. So, yeah, I dabble oh, yeah. in that, too. And then I've got a full-time job as an aquatics director with the YMCA. So. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, I keep busy, and then mom yeah. and kids. Yeah. And <laughs> Whatever like a dream come true. Whatever else you can fit in. Yeah. Well, it's cool seeing you again. And Thank congratulations. You, you Thank you. It was fun. Thanks. Right. Big round of applause for me. Right. Bye. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. 
All right, so that is former pro Andrea Fisher. And, man, like I said, it's really cool to come full circle and have what is old, new again, and also to uh, see both of us um, have kids and that triathlon is still a major part of our life. It's something you can keep doing and doing and doing as long as you stay uninjured. (laughs) But... Um, yeah, that was kind of kind of magical for me um, to get to that point where ten years down the road have somebody that used to be on back on again. Anyway, let's see. Let's go ahead and get into the training log. It's already been recorded. I do want to add to the training log two things. I've been messing around a little bit. Oh, you can hear the rain coming down. That's nice. Hear that. Maybe you can hear it. I've been messing around with, um, let's see, kava and CBD, CBD oil, CBD capsules, and something else. Not marijuana. Um, Ashwagandha, I think. And just some other kind of random uh, supplements. I'd like to give an update in the future of uh, what that's like. Uh, Yeah, ashwagandha is pretty nice. And just stuff to uh, cut down on inflammation. And also my latest thing is um, there's really good advice from the best coaches out there that during most of your most or all of your workouts to fuel on sugary stuff so that you can um, on race day and on long training days, uh, you'll be able to actually eat that sugary stuff because you're used to it. But I'm at the point where I'm not 100% on board with that uh, anymore because if you, uh, use it in every single workout, um, I do, I typically do hour long workouts. Then I've noticed that you can't work out without it. An hour long workout is enough where you're so, you become dependent on, uh, sugar and then you actually feel weak and, um, yeah, dependent on it if you can't work out without it. So I'm going to go through a little, uh, I've done it before detox phase where I get away from uh, fueling for uh, workouts and um, I think during the training log I mentioned something about fueling during my swim like what doing that and the um, the funny thing is is like okay so I'm gonna do you know what 100 200 300 calories uh, on the bike during my hour-long bike workout and you feel like you totally need it and same thing on the run and yeah, it gives you a better workout because you got more horsepower, but it's kind of like fake horsepower. And then you become desensitized to sugar. And, uh, you know, are you adding it as extra body weight on down the road? And then the funny thing is, is um, I never do it except for just a couple times lately, which I mentioned in the training log. I never do it during swim workouts. And I have great swim workouts with no added sugar whatsoever. So I don't really think I need it for an hour-long workout. Um, but again, you know, all the pros that I interview, advice from coaches is while training, you can load up on the on the sugar all you want as long as it's during training. But I don't know. I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, I think that's uh, undercutting your, um, your fat-burning ability, uh, your overall power output because you actually you get to the point where you, you need it to be able to do anything. So I'm going to experiment a little bit with uh, trying to get 
And a lot of you are already like this. So, uh, you know, you're like, oh my God, really? <laughs> yes, I know. It just takes a little bit, of, a little bit of effort to switch things up a little bit. But um, hour-long workouts, unless I'm going over an hour, which is very rare. That's only on the weekends or whatever. No carbs. And here's a trick. If you're trying to do something like this, um, with your water, add a sweetener that's an artificial sweetener like stevia or something like that. And then you're getting sugary. Well, you're getting sweet, um, but no carbs. And then, uh, or you can cut it in half and then another half and then another half. So if you're doing, you know, 300 calories, then you can do um, 150 and then 100 and then 50. But anyway, that's all that stuff. Let's go ahead and get moving with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey. We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another training log. Is that how we start this off? Training log, that's it. Start date, October 15th. It is finally really cold. Well, (laughs) for Texas. I'm still not wearing a jacket. It's probably, uh... 50, five zero degrees outside Fahrenheit. So anyway, leaving the pool, I thought I'd uh, give a little details on some training tips. I went and played soccer last night with Kai and even worse than usual, I'm uh, stiff and immobile like a 130 year old about to say man but I don't even know like a like a what's something <laughs> that shouldn't be 130 years old but really really painful getting started moving <sighs> first few steps you know and also I've got a lot of pain in my left hip and uh, let's see what's probably causing this oh changing around saddle position so I'm trying to find the right spot and uh, I was doing, uh, I was swimming this morning and uh, I do, uh, I can do flip turns uh, pretty well. And flip turns were extremely painful. You know, the, the uh, pain you get, like the lower back is like super tight. And then that pain in the hip, just really inflexible. And I noticed a couple mornings ago, actually, um, I got up and my lower back was just killing me. And I think our bed mattress is old. And so it slumps in the middle. And so if I lay on my stomach to um, sleep, which I like to do sometimes, because uh, my cat annoys the crap out of me, wanting me to get up and feed him. So he starts walking up and down me. So if I lay on my face, then he can walk up and down my back. And then <laughs> it's kind of like I'm getting a little kitty cat massage. It's not anywhere near as annoying. It's still annoying, but it's not uh, as bad. But anyway... So my lower back and my left hip and just everything in general, that area is uh, painful, tight, sore. So I was doing flip turns this morning and really struggling with it big time. So eventually I quit doing that and started doing open turns. And after a while, 
I was just not doing well. So I uh, switched over and started doing other strokes instead of freestyle. And that uh, breaststroke kick, oh my God, it pushes out your hip joint when you do that kick. And that hurts so bad. So what's going on on the bike is um, there's something about the nose of the saddle. And I've got a twin nose. I've got an Adamo, you know, ISM Adamo or whatever it is. And um, it's pushing my joint out to the side the way I'm sitting on it. And I needed to both fix that, look into it. And uh, also, there's a trick that my saddle, I haven't implemented on my saddle lately since I replaced it. Gosh, my old saddle had this on there. Is uh, zip ties. A lot of people will zip tie the. They have a twin nose saddle, and it's a little bit too far apart, and it irritates them in one of a million possible ways. And um, to bring the tips of the nose in together, if that's the solution that works for you, you just try it. Then um, you zip tie. You squeeze the nose together. And then you already have a zip tie on there and then just tighten down a zip tie until it holds it uh, in place. And you can do like two, three zip ties, whatever it takes to kind of get that sucker to hold. So I'm gonna do that, which leads me to another tip, which is um, on my to-do list, I put try zip tying. And that's the thing I learned from, uh, I used to do a lot, a lot more coding, coding as a computer programming code. And when I first started out, there really wasn't a try. And this is in the 80s, early 90s. There wasn't a try so much. Whatever I was using didn't have a try. And um, one of the most beautiful things in computer code is uh, this concept of try that they developed a little bit later, which is if, if your computer program says do something and then it fails, the whole program crashes. <laughs> but uh, the try has built into it um, what they call error handling. So if it errors, it doesn't crash the whole program. And it's nice. And it's when I realized this, I was like, man, this is a really cool concept in life is you can try stuff. And if it doesn't work, then it didn't work. Don't, you know, you don't have to attach your whole ego and your whole life to uh, it working out or not. It's not that big of a deal. So in my to-do list, it says, because I don't know if that's going to fix my problem. It says, uh, I put in, as I got out of the pool, I grabbed my phone, I put in there, try zip tying saddle nose. Uh, and that means to zip tie it together and see if that actually improves things. And uh, let's see, there's that. Oh, and I remember the other thing. Um, you have to be okay with uh, your swim or your run or your bike not working out. And I was trying to swim nonstop for an hour. And then when it didn't work, I fell back on something else. And uh, I started swimming other strokes. And it was, it was fine. You know, it wasn't a failure. I didn't have to get out of the pool completely and give up. I just did something else. I did breaststroke and backstroke. And... A little bit of butterfly. Butterfly takes... You got to do that uh, pretty frequently. <laughs> so, um, 
to, to be any good at it. The uh, other thing is, is what I need to be doing is touching my toes a lot more often to um, get my flexibility back in my lower back. I can totally tell. Uh, well, this is a multi-part training log entry. Uh, the other thing is that the re- one of the reasons my lower back hurts, because it's odd that all of a sudden it hurts so bad so much so lately, is I'm uh, working more and more towards spending more time in the arrow position. I used to um, live in the arrow position, and it didn't used to be a problem whatsoever, and I've kind of gotten away from it as I was sitting more upright so that my I didn't stress out my calf and my foot. Uh, trying to figure all that out, I've ended up uh, sitting more upright. And also, biking while t- t- too tired, you end up sitting upright um, too much. And so going back into the arrow position, you gotta remember that stuff takes time. And I just went right back into it and started living in the arrow position. And I bet that that is what is making my, um, my lower back really tight really tight Whew. okay so that's uh, enough stuff so what am I gonna fix um, gonna be touching my toes a lot more to uh, straighten out my back oh I got in the hot tub and put my feet up against the steps and grabbed the handrail and just stretched out my lower back uh, pulling pulling down pulling my upper body towards the uh, towards the handrail to get out my lower my lower feet my feet against the uh, lower steps in that hot water felt really good so I need to take the opportunities to be stretching my lower back I'm gonna try zip tying the nose of my saddle again uh, to see if that helps my hip and it's quite possible that touching my toes a lot more might help my my uh, left hip anyway and I already made some adjustments to my saddle like the nose angle and stuff yesterday and that might already be helping it's hard to tell and I think, was there something else? Oh man, um, yesterday, I was wondering why I felt like crap all day yesterday. And then finally I went and weighed myself and I was down like three, four pounds. And what had happened was it was really hot yesterday and I ran first and then I biked and then I started feeling sick on the bike. And the run, it's just so hot. Uh, it dehydrated the heck out of me. And I bet that's what it was, is um, loss in water weight makes you feel junky 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 and makes you feel tired uh i was biking and then i had to take a break (laughs) i just felt like crap oh i got my 112 miles in for uh to be in the drawing for that specialized bike so i'm pretty excited about that um we'll see i'm sure there's like a thousand people in that but you never know one time, uh, as a kid, I won a cake raffle. <laughs> so I've got that going for me. <laughs> oh my God, that's a little bit Caddyshack there for you. Okay, that's it. Out, bang. All right, we are back. Got a new uh, traffic signal on my route home. I live in one of the fastest growing cities in the United States, maybe the world, I don't know. So traffic signals pop up here and there they go from no traffic signal nothing to stop sign to traffic signal almost a roundabout and then they back off on it because americans apparently can't handle it (laughs) 
anyway, let's see. That was not bad. Not a bad little traffic signal. We're going to talk about bike power. Let's see. Oh, the zip tie thing. I somehow managed to remember to uh, put on my zip tie on my saddle nose, and it really worked. The trick is you can squeeze the saddle nose and get that zip tie to squeeze the nose together pretty good, but then you're still going to need a set of pliers to really pull hard on the zip tie and get one of the thicker zip ties, you know, not one of the little tiny scrawny ones, but a good one. Uh, you got to be careful when you cut it that you don't, uh, you can just fold it up so it's underneath if you can, but you don't want it to brush against your uh, shorts. That's annoying as hell. Uh, I think I'm going to take this lane. And I think I'm going to continue to take this lane. Um, let's talk about cadence for a second. Oh, so the the uh, zip tie, though, um, it definitely pulled the uh, twin nose together. And it definitely helped. And now I'm down to, uh, instead of it... <laughs> Instead of it hurting my hip as bad, it hurt a little bit, but that could be residual pain. Um, now it makes my uh, crotch numb, and that's the nose of the saddle being uh, too far up. So next bike ride, before I get on the bike, I'll need to uh, tilt the nose down just a little bit. Watching a video of Lionel Sanders, negative uh, four degrees on the saddle tilt on his nose, for example. A lot of pictures on slow twitch of bike positions. A lot of nastiness on slow twitch. People uh, on the internet forums, people arguing. Whole Callum Millward, is that his last name? Cupcake uh, arguing over semantics of uh, people abusing each other, harassing each other. There's this bizarre thing where top pros, no, well, some people, uh, a, a bully uh, pros if they don't do well in a race and uh, they think that they shouldn't be out there even though they're uh, walking and trying their ass off I do not get that whatsoever how you could actually bully somebody for being there um, really really bizarre go to slow twitch forums and look at the Callum Millward thread if you want to read up on that and change lanes big temperature drop um, it's finally cold enough outside it's in the 50s where I opened up the window on my training cave and I have cold air coming in from the outside finally finally and I have a fan that I put near the windowsill and blow that air in maybe I should get like a tiny little fan and put it on that windowsill because that was really nice so the uh, we had Boy Scouts last night so no evening workout swim yesterday which I already talked about and then um, on the bike workout this morning, I feel a lot better than yesterday. My weight is back up a few pounds. Shows I was dehydrated. And on the bike, let's see, an hour-long ride. Upping the cadence, making sure don't, I don't do too low of cadence. So I've over the, over the years, past year mostly, more than anything, I've uh, brought my cadence up to mid to high 80s. So when I look at, um, I do a workout and then I look at the numbers afterwards. 
Strava is good for this. A lot of workout stuff is good for this. You can see your averages. And um, for Ironman training, uh, one habit you need to get into is selecting big chunks with your cursor and then looking at the totals of that chunk, you know, throwing out stuff like where you stopped and, and whatever. And anyway, average cadence is probably high 80s. It did not used to be that. And it just takes a little bit of practice. But then the high cadence is now, uh, and what high cadence does is it uh, puts out bigger power. It feels like less effort. And um, as Lance Armstrong, the L word, would say, um, cadence, you can, you can um, once you train it up, you can refuel it with carbs. And that's not a problem. So once you get your high cadence up, that's what you need to train but low cadence that takes torque and that fatigues your muscles and you can't you can't uh, refuel or and or uh, re-up that during the same ride it's kind of like getting dehydrated well, it's, not kinda, it's like getting tired like you have to get off the bike and recuperate for a while for you like a day but high cadence you can constantly feed it with um with carbs so, um, high cadence ride. Now it's just a normal ride, riding around Zwift. Oh, I got something funny on that. Um, but I averaged uh, 24 and a half miles per hour. And I got my weight setting all correct in there and everything. And uh, 262 watts, let's say, average, including the first couple minutes getting up to speed. And I was actually like half a mile per hour faster at the same power because I finally got around to conducting an experiment that I've um, I've been avoiding because you know it takes effort <laughs> to switch things. And is this guy gonna get over? Do you have a blinker, dude? I'll let you in if you got a blinker. Um, On Zwift, you can pick different bikes, and different bikes have uh, real-world aerodynamic uh, penalties for being less aero and wheels, and you know you pick all this stuff. And um, if you pick a triathlon bike, they have one tri bike. If you pick a tri bike, um, you're really fast because you're in the aero position on the bike, but you get no drafting benefit from anybody else. And if you pick a road bike, then when you ride behind somebody, you get a drafting benefit. And the more people you ride behind, like a bigger pack, the more drafting benefit you get. So it's it's exactly like the real world. I mean, it's really cool. I'd like to see them add wind someday if you want, you know, or like going a certain way takes longer. And going another way is faster and you get to play around with that. That'd be kind of cool. But anyway, um, they have a bike... Uh, the more miles you ride, it's very much game theory. If you ride a, if the more you ride, the more points you get, and the more points, you know, miles, points, whatever, uh, elevations, points, ex- experience points, um, you can earn stuff like jerseys and helmets. And you get a helmet for climbing the Alpe d'Huez route. Um, one of the things you can earn 
over time is better bikes, like better frame sets, wheels and stuff. And one bike you can earn after you ride a lot is the Tron bike. So it's got glowing, it looks like a road bike, but it doesn't have drop bars. It's got these weird handlebars on it and it's got glowing wheels. So it's like you're riding a motorcycle. It's a bike, obviously. It's a, it totally looks like a bike, but it's kind of like the Tron motorcycles. And when you're riding it, um, it's quite possibly the fastest, I think it's probably the fastest uh, road bike, not triathlon bike. And then, because you're on a road bike, you get drafting benefit. So if there's a bunch of other people riding the game at the same time you are, then you can get behind people and, and draft. Well. Uh, today I decided to start off with the Tron bike and try something out because um, there's a thing in Ironman training where or Ironman racing where um, you're not drafting you shouldn't damn you uh, but you are behind people a lot and if you pass people it's a strategy. You let people get in front of you and then, like, say you're starting towards the back because your age group wave, right? And that's not a bad thing because you're constantly passing people and that's called slingshotting. So as you slingshot people, you get a draft benefit just for a second. I mean, it's just for a second. So you're like, well, what's that worth? Well, if you're drafting past people uh, for, and I'm talking hundreds of people, well, it adds up. And then uh, it's a very uh, interesting strategy that saves you some, some time on the bike. So I was like, well, let's do the slingshot thing today. Or let's see how much effect it has. <laughs> and I was actually faster um, on this road bike on Zwift, on the Tron bike, than I was with uh, a triathlon bike because of the game settings, again, uh, do not give you no drafting benefit ever on the triathlon bike. So even if you're riding behind somebody, you get no drafting benefit. Um, so it's pretty cool. If you want to see how much faster, how fast you would go in an Ironman, get a Zwift and ride it on your trainer and ride the triathlon bike. And that's how fast, put in all your weight settings and everything correctly. And that's, uh, and pick a course, you know, a ride of the same amount of elevation gain as your Ironman course. And that's how fast you would be. Look at your average speed when you're done. And that's how fast you would be on a, um, on a triathlon bike if you had no drafting benefit from anybody. But if you want to see how fast you would be um, in an Ironman, if you did the slingshot method, um, which in a way like you just it just happens anyway so it's not like you're doing it um you're just benefiting from it then um yeah get one of the road bikes a more aero road bike and um ride zwift on a crowded day and just uh whip past people constantly and see the difference it was kind of neat so yeah i averaged uh 24 miles per hour which was really nice 24 point something and then um, 260 something watts. So feeling pretty good, pretty good. And my left hip and butt cheek only hurts just a tiny bit. So that's it for now. Let's go in to the orifice 
and get some uh, work done. W to the ERK, out, bang. All right, we are back. Try to uh, we'll talk a little bit about swimming. Got some swimming tips. Got some running failures. <laughs> but uh, see, so tried running last night, and man, I get this thing where my blood sugar just drops in the afternoon, late afternoon, pretty much evening, like five o'clock and on. I'm having a lot of trouble running in the evening. Biking, it doesn't seem to matter. Swimming, I just swim in the mornings. That's why I don't know. But, you know, get half a mile into it and just the bottom falls out. I have to walk it back home. Plus, I'm sore and kind of weirdly injured, which I'm not really sure about. But uh, it has something to do with uh, blood sugar and then eating carbs and caffeine. And then it goes up and then it goes down. Like, boom. And it's really frustrating. It's kind of depressing because you just spent all that time getting ready. In fact, it's very depressing. You spent all that time getting ready organizing your evening and then you go for a workout and it just freaking sucks and it's just a total failure and need to uh, sleep go to bed early just it's like the rug's been pulled out from under you it's really weird but then uh, that's one of the things I talked to Rob Gray about by the way he gave me tips it helped but I've kind of strayed away from that and need to get back on it you can find Rob Gray on the interwebs. He's the guy that did uh, Ultraman. One Ultraman. Anyway, I do have positive uh, swim tips for you. So because of the bottom fell out last night, when I swam today, I decided to take a little bit of uh, carb, carby fuel with me. And here's a strategy that does work. It's really nice. You don't have to do it all the time. It's just something. Um, swim for an hour. And then what I did is I broke it up into 15-minute chunks and uh, I made a smaller bottle, like a, I don't know, it's like a 16 ounce bottle of Gatorade Endurance. And Gatorade has smaller scoops, so I did three scoops, which I think is about 180 calories. And I drank a quarter of it before I got in the water, and then a quarter of it every 15 minutes. So it was gone for the last 15 minutes. I, I finished it right before I did my last 15 minutes, but. Uh, what's nice is you, you've got a nice low level of carbs, just a drip, really. It's not very much. 180 calories and you're burning like 800, you know, so uh, it's not very much. And you feel good. Uh, so your entire workout, you feel like a constant level of energy. So you're not wasting uh, time and effort, you know, while feeling kind of crappy and not getting a good workout in. But the other thing is, is with a... Um, Oh, we got somebody here that's going to do adventures and lane crossing. Oh, my. <laughs> um, is stopping every once in a while. And on the bike, you could coast. And on the run, you could take a walk break or something like that. Stopping every 15 minutes, it uh, resets your, your technique and your mindset. It makes you think, you know, what am I doing? You know, and then you go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to be focused on this. Because after 15 minutes, you kind of get lost in the moment. And uh, you forget about what's the whole point of your workout. So, 15-minute break, sip of fuel, catch your breath. And uh, yeah, it's actually uh, pretty smart. You have to do it all the time. It's just kind of nice. You can, uh, continuous swim or continuous bike. 
or whatever you want. Got a police officer kind of driving weirdly here. And yeah, finished uh, feeling really good. Um, oh, that's a bunch of wipers. Uh, f- each 15 minutes I did, I think it was uh, 1,100 yards. Yeah, 15 minutes. So that's a 122 pace. So I finished just under an hour, like just seconds under an hour at uh, 4,400 yards at a, at a uh, 122 per 100 yard pace. And it was like every minute of the workout was well-fueled and well-energized and uh, positive attitude and pretty, pretty much being centered on what I was supposed to, on technique, you know, seeing what technique works, which one's the fastest. And yeah, there was that. So again, you can do that on the bike or the run. All right, that is it. Got to go into W to the ERK. Out, bang. All right, we are back. We've got a pool and keto, low carb, and um, injury maintenance stuff real quick. I'm going to wrap up the show. Uh, Let's see, last bit I talked about, I mentioned that um, breaking up your swim into pieces. I got something moving around in my car. What's all that noise? Stop it. Oh, my God. I need some water and it's wedged into this coffee cup. Okay. Uh, Swimming constant for 15 minutes and then taking a break and then doing it again. It really does work, man. It's really, really nice. That is a cool workout. Uh, And then taking a sip of fuel every 15 minutes uh, to keep uh, sustained energy was great. So uh, using the pace clock, the big clock, on the side of the pool, for those of you that uh, wonder what that thing is. <laughs> that is a major swim team tool. And it's, um, when I got to the wall, I would do a one minute uh, break. And what that meant was hit the wall, um, drink some fuel, well, look at the time, look at the second hand, and um, drink some fuel, recover a little bit and then make sure I leave within the minute by the by the time the second hand got to the uh, it happened to be every single time it was at the top of the hour or top of the minute and the swim was fantastic and faster than uh, last time and I could feel a lot more power and I could feel the fact that I was taking on a little bit of fuel probably about 150 calories total maybe 200 um that I was finishing like super strong and and having just a fantastic workout. So it works, it's really good. And uh, let's see, uh, one uh, one hour at a um, four, four 15 minute sets at a 121 pace for 100 yards. It's smoking, I think that's like a 57 minute, 56 minute Ironman pace swim. And that's just with the goggles and, and jammers. <laughs> I'll do our some cap. Anyway, um, the past few days, my foot has been really hurting me, my my heel. And I was like, what is going on? And then yesterday afternoon, I remembered um, I haven't been wearing my uh, night boots. So on Amazon for like 20 something bucks, 
maybe you can buy a boot that looks kind of like a ski boot that keeps your foot um, toes pointed up a little bit more and I wore it last night it's super easy to do the only hard part is just remembering so uh, one of the triathlon tricks you know is put stuff in your way so you don't forget it um, getting triathlon done is all about uh, organization and where you put your stuff and uh, I put it next to my bed so I have to like walk past it to get in the bed and that works and uh, this morning I woke up and my foot was way way better but what was not better I mean it was better in a way was yesterday I decided to do um, some uh, high fat low carb and I was doing fine but then by evening and I was craving some carbs. <laughs> but it was cool. Um, we had a conversation with a couple of coworkers yesterday. Um, one of them knows all about this stuff and the other one didn't. So we were, uh, two of us were telling the other one that um, uh, well, it was more about intermittent fasting than anything else. But you can intermittent fast carbs by doing uh, by uh, doing keto briefly but how it works and if you try to do uh, no food for or no carbs for a few hours and you start feeling crazy hungry and panicky and um, shaky that means you're really carb dependent and it's not healthy and you can break that um, uh, one coworker was saying, yeah, you do first try like six or eight hours or whatever it is. And, you know, and then, you know, go from there. And I go, well, another way to do it is try it <laughs> until note the time that you start and then note the time that you start, um, feeling like you're going to die and suffer through it. It takes about 30 minutes or so of feeling like you're going to die. But then when you're so hungry that you're not hungry anymore and then you pass through it, um, mark that time as well. And that's your time that you need to beat next time. And you will. It'll be a whole lot easier next time. You do it a couple days later, a few days later. Um, then if it was like four hours the first time or three hours, uh, you know, it'll be at least an hour longer before your body starts freaking out. So that's a pretty cool little trick. And then after a while, you can do it longer and longer and longer. And after just a few times, the transition gets easier and then you barely notice it. So yesterday when I went uh, high fat, like almost no carb, um, I almost felt nothing. I, I never got the shakes or anything like that or, you know, carb-dependent kind of sensation, which I took as a really, really good sign. I never got so hungry that I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and then uh, uh, and I had to, like, suffer through it. I was just like, oh, well, whatever. So I took that as, yeah, a really good sign. Anyway, um, let's uh, get off the mic here. I got to go into W2 the ERK, and then we'll wrap up the show with um, how to get in touch with the podcast and all that other good stuff. All right, out, bang. All right, now we can officially wrap up this show. I'm in the car because I just dropped off 
Kai at uh, Cross Country and came back to the house. Emily's not feeling well, so she usually takes them and enjoys that um, mother-son time to actually talk with them about what's going on in school and all that other stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, driving over there, you know, I, I was asking him, do you have any injuries? <laughs> he said, no, nothing hurts. I was like, all right. Kai had a bunch of injuries uh, this spring and uh, we've been working through those. And uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess uh, let's wrap up the show with um, with how to get in touch with me and how to find me on the uh, socials. Let's see. If you're interested in coaching, I am a, well, I used to be a certified USAT coach. And then after a few years of that, I uh, realized I was just paying for stuff that I already knew. And actually, there's a lot more stuff that they don't teach you. And um, I was already using, I've uh, been using Training Peaks for years. So the platform that I coach on is the Industry Standard Plus. It's incredible. It's so great. And it's Training Peaks. And I custom build all workouts uh, for my coaching clients. I've been coaching, I guess, for about 10 years now. And uh, my background is lots and lots of Ironmans and ultra running and huge epic swims. So when you're looking to go long and also have some uh, Zen grounding and some perspective while you train and also look for a coach that inspires you, you know, and uh, if I do that for you, then reach out and we can uh, set something up. I am at Gmail, uh, texafornia at gmail.com. So T-E-X-A, like Texas, fornia, texafornia at gmail.com. And that's because I've uh, lived most of my life in Texas, but I also lived in Southern California. And even before I moved to Southern California, people were always asking me if I was from California because I'm such a beachy kind of laid back dude. And it always seemed like I had just come back from spring break. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I have lived down by uh, South Pottery Island and spent a lot of time along the beach in Galveston. And I'm a, I'm a former, I guess I have to say it now, a former surfer. I haven't surfed in a little while. But anyway, that's enough about that. Uh, let's see. I'm also on Twitter at Zen Triathlon. And then also on Instagram at Zen Triathlon. And I try to post uh, pictures of what I'm doing. I've gotten a little bit away from posting endless pictures of my uh, training because I think it's, it's a little bit uh, just egotistical. And, uh, you know, just your numbers all the time. And uh, what I like to do more than anything is pause while I'm running and biking and post pictures of something funny or zen or or pretty that i've seen like flowers or or also like creatures like a or in texas we call them critters like snakes and we caught a scorpion in our house um let's see two days ago and i was chasing it around the house they actually moved pretty fast um and we have uh the common scorpion around here is these kind of smaller yellowish ones and they're they're not terribly venomous. They're like uh, being stung by a nasty hornet or something like that. Not not too bad. But Kai and Emily were all running around trying to get away from it. And I was trying to scoop it up to get it out of the house. <laughs> 
And then I was going to put it in the backyard, and then I got yelled at that the dogs are in the backyard, and they're going to find it. Uh, so throw it in the front. So I had to go back through the house, and um, it was craw- It was constantly crawling up the piece of paper that I scooped it on, uh, scooped it up with, up to my hand, and then I was having to drop it and then flip the paper around and and uh, re-scoop it up over and over again. And uh, I finally got it out to a tree, the base of a tree, out, way out in our front yard. So <sighs> that's what dads do, apparently, is uh, go round up critters <laughs> and make sure the uh, the yard is safe for the rest of the family to... Um, to uh, enjoy i guess things never change over tens of thousands of years uh let's see what else is going on we're going camping this weekend and i am a scoutmaster of a boy scout troop which is really great um being a scoutmaster has taught me more about how to be a better person and how to be a leader because i'm in charge of making sure that boys that are growing up teenagers that are turning into men are turning into leaders and you can't tell them what to do unless you're doing it as well. And also watching the dynamics of how people act and their personalities develop um, teaches you a lot of stuff. So probably the biggest benefit of being a, a an adult leader over, let's say, teenage youth is it improves you. Like it's it's really, really fascinating. So this weekend's camp out is where all the local Boy Scout troops go to this huge uh, campground. And it's in the woods. It's like a mix of pine forest and deciduous trees. I really like pine forest. And it's, um, it's every Boy Scout troop gets its own campground. And then Weebelows, which are, you know, Cub Scouts. And a Boy Scout group is called a troop. And a Weebelow, a Cub Scout group is called a pack. Like a pack of wolves and a troop of monkeys is <laughs> probably uh, the best way to describe it. Anyway, um, they blow a horn, probably an air horn. I can't remember what they do every time. but uh, And it's kind of like college or like school where um, they blow a horn. It's more like like high school or middle school. They blow a horn and or ring a bell and then um, everybody revolves. Like the, the Weebelows. Uh, and Weebelows are like the oldest Cub Scouts that are getting ready to move up to Boy Scouts. They go to a different Boy Scout troop and they have like a guide that goes with them to um, take them to the next campground. So like we're campground 14, and, you know, they go from 13 to 14. And then at our campground, we're building a monkey bridge and also have some fire starting kits where we're going to let them start fire. And that's, uh, the weather's going to be amazing and times before I've gone running in the morning. I'm not sure if I'm going to go running or not. Um, it's pretty hilly out there. And to preserve my feet, I might not do that. I might bring my stuff. But then the smart thing is is to keep from running on hilly terrain. Maybe I just should not bring my stuff at all. And that's even smarter because I'm already going to be walking around a lot. Um, and with my foot injury, you know, I'm pretty much down to my plantar fasciitis is gone. It's... I've got 
the remnants of a uh, a little bit of a tear in my uh, tendon that connects to my heel. That's where I think I'm at. And so if I just baby that, it seems to be getting a lot better. I ran the other day at work and it was like super flat where I ran. And I ran really slow with a coworker. Um, and it was great. <laughs> I felt fine when I was done and the next day. And also I got a run in. You know, I got in my outdoors. So that was pretty cool. And let's see, I think that's it. If you want to help support the show, then you can go to zentrathlon.com. And on zentrathlon.com is uh, a huge list of past episodes that you can play right from the website. And then also links to uh, iTunes and uh, another uh, media player on the left-hand side. And then if you scroll down a little bit more, there's a uh, PayPal donation page or donation button. And you can set up a one-time or a recurring donation. And that's how you help support the show. It's super, super easy, super cool. And I would like to do that more than anything than trying to uh, cram in uh, commercials and ads and all that other stuff. Um, Sometimes those are great. And then sometimes uh, it's nice just to get really, really simple and zen with it. All right. I think that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills and cruise the downhills and keep the rubber side down, out, 